And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Coming up, more details on developing a Saskatchewan agriculture project as part of the federal supercluster economic development. Agri-News is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers Ag Division. Choose the alternative. McDougall Auctioneers for guaranteed results online at mcdougallauction.com. Saskatchewan farmers will be hearing a lot about Protein Industries Canada in the future. It's one of five groups that have been selected to receive funding from the federal government's Innovations Superclusters program. Chair Frank Hart says the federal funding will be at least $150 million. It will be more than matched by the 120 organizations involved with Protein Industries Canada. Those range from large global food and agriculture companies like Dow, DuPont, Cargill, AGT Foods in Regina, through to a number of smaller companies, uh, universities uh, such as the U of R, U of S, food processing facilities like the POS Pilot Plant in Saskatoon. Protein Industries Canada, or PIC, will organize and channel the funds into the right projects to increase crop production, develop new processing technologies, and get new processing plants running in Western Canada. The goal is to make Canada the second largest egg exporter in the world and the fifth largest food exporter in the world. So, you know, we have a unique opportunity in, in Western Canada because of the crop base. It produces a lot of protein now, but a lot of it is sold out of the country in the form of seeds. And so this effort is very much about uh, fractioning the high-value pieces of those seeds through uh, new processing technologies and uh, selling those food ingredients into the food market. Protein Industries Canada estimates the new supercluster is capable of generating over $700 million in new commercial activity over five years and approximately 4,700 jobs over the next decade. The Quill Lakes Watershed Association says heavy rainfall and not farmland drainage is the main cause of flooding in their region. The Quill Lakes Watershed says there's been a misunderstanding of the situation at the lakes, with people saying farmers in the area are responsible for the flooding. Watershed Association Representative Ian McNichol says with farmers' fields now underwater, there's more proof the excess moisture was the main cause of flooding in the area. There's a lot of grain land acres that are underwater, a lot of pasture lands, even private pasture lands and community pastures within under the lake now. The economic impact in the basin is very, very large. There's an impact assessment or impact study that we have posted on our webpage as well. The Quill Lakes Watershed Association also released figures showing the water level is one meter below the overflow point, something McNichol says is quite concerning with nowhere for the water to go. Major rainfalls beginning in 2005 have caused the Quill Lakes to swell. A well-known agricultural meteorologist says long-term forecasting is changing as weather becomes more volatile. Drew Learners as it used to be fairly predictable. The weather was more stable. I mean, you could predict what was going to happen because it was always the same. You know, you start off with a, a good moisture supply in the spring and you get warm or hot in the summer, you dry out the soil and, you know, you deal with dryness and you go on about your merry way. Yeah. It eventually would get wet. As for what's happening now, Learners says there's tremendous weather fluctuations. We're seeing uh, huge gyrations in weather patterns so that the springs are no longer just steady as she goes. You end up with a, a big insurgence of cold and, and then excessive moisture and then we go really dry and hot and we're just bouncing all over the board. 
and there's so much more volatility in the forecast and in the actual weather than what there used to be. And I think it's just a, a byproduct of the fact that maybe we're living in more normal times now, and the way it was when I was younger is probably more the anomaly than the reality, uh, just simply because if you go back in time and look at the late uh, 1800s, early 1900s, there's all these reports of extreme conditions that occurred, and we're starting to see that matched a little bit. So there may be a cycle here that we just don't have enough data for to determine that's really real. In southern Saskatchewan, Lerner is expecting below normal spring precipitation, but he says there will be more rain in July and August. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And the Remax Blue Chip Realty Ag Team of Marcel de Corby and Graham Toth. Online at landforsalesask.ca. The soybean area exploded in Saskatchewan last year with an estimated 850,000 acres. One of the challenges for new soybean growers was inoculation rates. Gary Natowich is the research director at the Irrigation Crop Diversification Corporation in Outlook. He says the issues around soybean seeding rates and dates is fairly well known, but inoculation is a new area. The crop forest, the bacteria that can cause nitrogen fixation to occur in soybeans is not native or indigenous to prairie soils, um, so it's a new beast for us. And uh, since it's not here, we don't know how it's going to perform. So we've been doing a lot of testing with it. And basically what we're finding is very similar, in fact identical to what Manitoba's experience has been prior. And that is for virgin ground, first time producers onto fields, what we are recommending is a dual inoculation. Meaning, full rate of a liquid inoculant going onto the seed in conjunction with a, a full rate of granular inoculant going down in the seed row at the time of planting. And with nitrogen fixation, it's not only a matter of what bacteria you've got in the ground, it's a matter of the number of bacteria in the ground. We are relying on that bacteria once the seed is put into the ground to multiply over and over and over and over again. Five to seven times is what we are looking at to get effective nitrogen fixation. We don't have those numbers available with soybeans. So what we're trying to do is ensure that those numbers are high by jumping the gun and going to a dual inoculant in our first few years of soybean production. Natowich says it appears fields with at least two previous well-inoculated soybean crops can be cut back to a single inoculation. He adds dry soil in the spring has an impact on soybean inoculation. The inoculants do not like dry soil conditions. Um, desiccation and ultraviolet light are the two things that will kill bacteria off quicker than most. Dry is my worry though. And typically we don't seed soybeans until the 21st of May, about that long weekend. If we are dry springs, that's had another 21 days, three weeks of drying wind, drying conditions. Guys will, you know, put it in and hope for a rain, which way or may not come. If they do come, the crop can emerge, but you may not have the bacteria to go along with it. So you could be looking at an inoculant failure. He says nitrogen can be used later to fix up any inoculant issue. Where we had that 1x rate, it was insufficient to get us to the yields that we would like to see. The addition of 50 pounds of nitrogen at various times throughout that growing season, yeah, 50 pound application rates were effective in elevating the yield over and above the single inoculation only. 
but not enough to get us up to where the dual inoculant was. So there is a rescue strategy that's, you know, appearing in the data. So should you have an inoculant failure through dry soil conditions, there is the possibility of coming in in season and doing a rescue operation that will not bust the bins on you. It will not bring the yield up to what you would have had, but it's worth doing because it, you know, it, it will still be profitable. Gary Natowich, Research Director at the Irrigation Crop Diversification Corporation in Outlook. It's all about horses for the next three days at Saskatoon Prairieland Park. The 7th Annual Equine Expo features trainer challenges, riding demonstrations, a trade show, and the very popular equine extravaganza. Prairie Land's Assistant Agriculture Manager, Leanne Hurlbert, says another highlight will be demonstrations by well-known trainer Jonathan Field. He has two horses that are each at different levels. So you're going to watch as Jonathan guides them through his program um, in his sessions each day. And he also has some information theater time. So as always, I'm sure his sessions will be full. Faculty and students from the Western College of Veterinary Medicine will also lead seminars today, tomorrow, and Sunday. Market Update is brought to you by Scott Bjornson of Hollis Wealth. Call 1-800-284-9999 for more information or to book a free consultation with the office of Scott Bjornson, Hollis Wealth. Scotia Capital Inc. is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. Market Update also brought to you by Flamin Sales in Saskatoon, Southie, Prince Albert, Yorkton and Swan River. Visit Flamin.com. Grain prices at Viterra were showing upward movement in early trading this morning. Canola rose 50 cents at 478.94. Oats went up $1.39 at 159.49. Number one red spring wheat gained 11 cents at 232.38. The rest were unchanged. Durham 256.42. Feed barley 177.63. Flax 463.68. Yellow peas, 236.37. Feed wheat, 136.48. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange, March spring wheat is down 3.5 cents at 6.05 a bushel. The livestock quotes are brought to you by the Assiniboia and Weyburn Livestock Auctions. Call Assiniboia, 642-5358 or Weyburn, 842-4574. This is Grant Barnett with the Market Report, Heartland Livestock here in Moose Just under 2,000 on offer. At our yearling sale here on Tuesday, these leg grass cattle, they really jumped hard. These are 750-plus weight cattle. They were almost all steady. Light heifers were 6 to 9 stronger. Also, this cow market, it looks like it's much the same. Next pre-sort here is on the 27th of February. Looks like a couple thousand for that one. Here's what happened at our Tuesday market. The 546 weight tans, 254. 589 weight tan steers at 236 and a quarter. We sold 114 red and black steers, 589 at 230. 654 weight red and black steers bring 209 and a quarter. We had a top end of 706 weight tan steers at 213. 88 big red and black steers, 870 at $1.78.75. Into the heifers, the 5 and 24 weight red and black heifers at 208, 597 weight tan heifers at $1.97 and a quarter, 105 black heifers, 612 at 188 and 50. These good cows are 83 to 89. That's the big, good, strong, the bigger, the better. Sales right up to 93. These medium hay fed cows from 74 to 82. Cows and bulls are selling every Thursday. And like I said, next resort on the 27th, a couple thousand for that one. This is Grant Barnett reporting.
Let's have a great afternoon. Now the latest Saskatchewan pork prices. Ham sold 6,600 hogs Thursday, selling a range of 154 to 164 per CKG. Today's sales expected to be around 5,000 heads, selling in a range of 150 to 162 per CKG. 100 index hog prices for the weekend, Friday, February 16th, are Maple Leaf Sig 5, 160.98, Ham's Cash, 159.48, Thunder Creek Brickle, 165.93, and High Life, 163.73 dollars per CKG. Ham's Cash hog price today is down, and forward contract prices opened down this morning. On Thursday, the Canadian dollar is up 35 basis points with the daily exchange rate at 1.2507. The Canadian dollar is currently trading at 79.75 cents U.S. U.S. cash markets traded consistently lower over the last week, with the Midwest regions reporting a $5 U.S. 100-weight decline. Lean hog futures have struggled to find support in the last week, with the price trend being one step forward, two steps back. Traders appear to have grown more pessimistic. However, it is important to note that both cash and futures values are trading higher than they were at this time last year. Coming up, the farm weather forecast. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Raymore, Yorkton and Watrous, New Holland. Working hard to keep more jingle in your jeans. And brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry Shepherd at 352-1866. The 620 CKRM farm weather forecast for today, cloudy with 30% chance of flurries early this afternoon, then a mix of sun and cloud. Wind northwest 30 kilometers per hour, the high today minus 7 degrees. Tonight, mainly cloudy, 30% chance of flurries this evening, clearing overnight, wind northwest 20 kilometers per hour. The low tonight minus 17 degrees, the wind chill minus 25. Saturday, mainly sunny, wind northwest 30, the high tomorrow, minus 13, the wind chill, minus 27, chance of evening flurries tomorrow night, and a low of minus 20. Sunday, sunny skies, the high minus 14, the low minus 25 degrees. Monday, sunny, and again, colder than normal, the high forecast is just minus 16 on Monday, the low minus 24. Tuesday, warming up a few degrees, sunny skies, the high minus 12, the low minus 22. Wednesday, sunny, still well below normal at high of minus 13 and the low minus 20. Thursday, sunny skies, the high near minus 11. The normal high is minus 6 degrees for this time of year. The normal low is minus 18 degrees. The sun rose at 8.08 this morning. It sets at 6.17 tonight. Around the province, we have Estevan at minus 9, Saskatoon is minus 11, Swift Current is minus 6, Weyburn minus 8, Yorkton minus 14 degrees. In Regina, with cloudy skies, it's minus 8, that's 18 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the west at 24, giving us a wind chill right now of minus 17 degrees. Humidity is 70%, the barometer is dropping, it's at 101.2. Partly cloudy in Moose Jaw, minus 6, winds are from the west at 24. Once again, Regina, cloudy skies. It's minus 8. That's 18 Fahrenheit. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good farming.